Oi, where are the women? Hello and welcome to the... Where are the women? Where are the women? Where are the women? Podcast with me, Gail Something Else. And me, Rachel Strong. Where are the women? Are we ready to bend the music stage? Where are the women? Come join our cause, this needs to change. Create more opportunity, don't want a male-dominated community. On this week's episode, we've got Kat from Roving Crows and Lakefest. So we're going to start with a song from the Roving Crows' brand new album, and this is Shine. You rise above the broken hearts you walk across the shards of glass you rise above the broken arch you're shattering this house of cards you ride the highest wave you reach for the mountain nothing can stop you nothing can stop you nothing can stop you shine you go like the star you are The star you Shine, you glow Like the star you are Shine, you glow Like the star you are Shine 
Hello, Kat. How are you doing? Doing good, thank you. What a wonderful track. Thanks very much. I love that. It's so good. Well, are you in Ireland at the moment? Yeah. Yeah, we moved to Ireland during the first lockdown. So we're splitting ourselves between England and Ireland, really, to be honest. Nice. Yeah, so we did all the most of the writing and the recording over here. And then our bass player mixed it in England. And then we mastered it here. So it's like gigging over there, gigging over here. International <laughs> album. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously you made that lovely video of your yeah. single, which we'll play later in Ireland. That yeah, nice. Right, okay, let's um, have an independent track from you then, Rachel. What, what's your first choice this week? Oh, my first choice this week is um, a woman called Ms. Mohammed, and uh, I want to play her song Alibi. And I, I, it's about kind of supremacy, white supremacy and imperialism and patriarchy. Um, and I love it because it's it's a mix of all of her different cultures. She's um, a woman with Indian heritage who was brought up in Trinidad and then moved to the UK. Um, and she's kind of really embraced all of those aspects of her identity. And it really shows in her music. And this particular track is just awesome. So it's called Alibi.
I really enjoyed that track. It was, uh... oh, she's so great. She, she used to record, she used to perform under her first names. <clears throat> and then about three or four years ago, she um, decided to change it and perform under, under her surname instead, Miss Mohammed, um, because she'd always kind of shied away from it because of the, you know, in the area of Brexit and Trump and anti-Muslim feeling and all the rest of it. Although she's not actually Muslim, um, her parents are both Christians. Um, had just had the associations of having that surname could be so difficult. She'd kind of shied away from it. But then she thought, no, actually, this is my name. I'm going to use it. And, and she's been described as celebrating otherness, which I think is really important, isn't it? You know, if we hide bits of our identity that people react badly to, it kind of, I go, it kind of reinforces their entitlement to react badly to those parts of our identity. And that's not okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Now it's time for Who? inspires you so uh, we asked you to pick four tracks um, involving women that inspire you uh, what are you going to start with and um, the first one is or the first woman who inspires me that I want to talk about is a woman called Rena Connolly and she is a traditional Irish singer and flute player originally from um, Armagh in Northern Ireland she now lives in Manchester and she plays with Africa Sound System no. and she plays with, I think, yeah, her own band, The Breath and Honey Feet. And she is just, I don't know if you've ever seen her, but she's absolutely incredible. Yeah. And um, I think the first time I saw her, I think we booked her, actually, we booked her for Lakefest uh, several years ago. And this woman, this woman just rocks up and she just owns it. She's unbelievable. She gets on the stage and she's just so powerful and just she really has that wow. And her voice is just off the scale, especially live. You know, it's always better when it's live and you can just really see and appreciate that full person. She's just amazing. She and I was just immense. like bowled over by her. I couldn't actually, I was just like obsessed. And um, then we got the... We got the album off them and this song was a song that we just um was our little soundtrack for a little while in the house and we were listening to it all the time and i think it really showcases her her voice and her flute playing um so we rebooked her them not her we rebooked africa sound system for lake fest for this year so she'll, yeah. be, she'll be back on stage again yeah so really looking forward to seeing them play and seeing her specifically perform so. she's just mesmerizing and you can't take your eyes off her like it's absolutely amazing and off stage she is such a character like i mean she's just like literally her, her character is just massive she's just with this incredible northern irish accent and she's just just really funny and just yeah if you get the chance to meet her and have a chat she's a great person really really great nice. did you, you know. fangirl her 
Fun girl. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> well, when we had Sound of the Sirens on a couple of weeks ago, and Abby was saying she went to see one of her favourite artists, and um, just couldn't speak to her. She was just, oh yeah, whatever. Oh, no. <laughs> loved her so much. She was just horrible because she didn't know how to cope with it. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's Honeybee.
Brilliant. Gorgeous. So good. Aren't they? Just, yeah, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I can't wait for Lake Fest now. I haven't seen them for ages. Oh, they're an epic live. Okay, so who's your second one? The second uh, woman is a woman called Maraid Mooney from a band called Altan. Um, they're a traditional Irish um, folk group who play traditional Irish tunes and sing in Gaelic, they sing in English as well. But one of the big things is that they sing in their, their sort of traditional language. No. Um, yeah, isn't it awesome? And um, she inspired me because... Well, she's from Donegal, which is where my mum's from. So we spent a lot, a lot of time up there. It's the northwest of Ireland. And um, I just felt like that immediate connection to the band, even when I was really, really young. And she, I, I started playing the fiddle when I was four. And she would probably be the first person I ever saw on a stage playing like Irish fiddle music. Wow. And she's just, she just, I was probably about six, maybe. And I was just, um, she's just got this amazing, like a, a very different presence to Rena. So it's like a sort of ethereal elf-like quality to her. And she just stands there and she sings this like angelic voice and then she plays these amazing tunes that you have to dance to. And I was just, I just feel my eyes is getting bigger and bigger as I sort of watching her playing. And then, I just loved it. And I remember saying up to that point, I hadn't actually played traditional music. I had still just learning the basics. And I remember my dad always used to go to sessions and he plays a fiddle as well. And I was like, dad, I just want to play your music. Like basically the music that I'd seen her play and him play. I don't want to play like classical music or anything. I want to play your music. And I remember saying that to him when I was about seven. And that's what I did from that point. And then... I went to see her again when I was about nine and I remember like being all nervous and uh, going up to see her at the end of the show and she remembered who I was. She remembered my name (laughs) and I couldn't believe it. I was like, (gasps) (laughs) like at that age. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. And she was just really personable. She's so calm. She has just like time for everyone. And also like, so she's, the band has been going for like, like 40 something years and I think they're the first folk group to ever get signed to a like a massive label they got signed to Virgin but her basically her and her husband started the band in like the late 1980s and she he um very sadly died of cancer um not long after like six years after and he just he was sort of steering the engine at that point and he was like he got them to the point where they could be signed and then he said just before he died he's like I want you've got to carry on I want you to carry on with the band and she did and they became one of the biggest Irish folk groups like ever and that's that's something in itself because they were like married really young and they were like really together you know so for one to not be there that's very hard and she but she carried on and like evolved and developed and she plays in so many different groups and and she's just incredible to watch so, so what's yeah. the tune so it's a set of tunes called Gibara Bridge and I think it's two tunes in there 
Uh, my dad will kill me now because I can never remember the names. <laughs> but we play, me and him play this set as well, which is why it sort of means something. So we play this set when we go out sometimes. And so it reminds me of dad and like playing in sessions. It's a really cool set. Nice. Here it is.
Lovely. That was wonderful. It's um interesting because Roving Crows, you did you start? Was it you and Paul to start with as a couple? Yeah. There you go. Virgin yeah. will be on your case in no time. <laughs> <laughs> You've been around for over a decade now, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, we started as a duo just, uh, well, actually, we started the Raven Crows in 2009. And um, before that, we were a duo for a couple of years. And then we started the band in 2009 and various lineups later. Here we are. You've got Lawrence. Got, uh, Lawrence now. Got Lawrence now and Jim, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, uh, we're just going to head over for some news. My name's Evie, and this is the Where Out the Women News. Our launch event on the 19th of March in the subrooms in Stroud is coming so soon. So we've put together something for all you amazing supporters. We have five pairs of tickets to give away and all you need to do is head over to our Facebook page, find that competition video, tag the person that you'd like to go with in the comments and then simply share the post and follow us. Really quite simple and you are in for a chance to win a pair of tickets. Amazing! In other news, for those of you who want to be more involved in what we're doing, we have a Patreon account. The link is on our Twitter, or you can just Google www.patreon.com forward slash women. Patrons can pay as little as £3 a month, or you can pay up to 20 It's completely your choice, and it's a massive help. Some more exciting news is that our compilation album is available for pre-order. The album includes amazing range of tracks from bands such as Petrol Girls, Three Duff Monkeys, Jess Silk and many more. So make sure you head over to our website or any of our social medias as there will be links on there. Anyway, that's all from me. Where are the women? We're here and we're coming at you. Okay, so uh, on with your choices. What's your number three? Number three is Stevie Nicks from Fleetwood Mac. And I think, so I had to like really think past those two. <laughs> the first two were like, the, yeah, okay, I know, I know two people that was inspired me. And then I had to really use my, my brain. And um, this woman, so back, obviously when I was a teenager and everything, my dad would listen to quite a lot of vinyl. And this, um, he'd have loads out on the table and be listening to all sorts of different things. And Rumours, Fleetwood Mac album Rumours would be out and be on. And I was always absolutely in awe of this woman's voice. At that point, I wouldn't have known who she was or anything. And I was just like, she was registered in my mind as an amazing singer. And I sort of just had that in there. And I never thought about it again. And then um, about seven or eight years ago, our then drummer bought this this album back up again into the van we were listening and I was just reminded of how much I think this woman is just incredible an incredible performer and just really rock and roll you know (laughs) really really rock and roll and her um like and an amazing songwriter as well and that she she went through so many different things with that band and yes stuck it out and became and continued to be successful and then continued to write more to write more songs and then to become a solo artist as well in her own right and be grammy nominated and just i think she's amazing a really really strong woman and really standalone woman you know just 
Um, I've seen quite a lot of interviews with her and I'm always just really impressed with her character as well and how she comes across. And I just absolutely love this song. So it's uh, Chains. And it is the only Fleetwood Mac song of that era, I think, that uh, where all of the members are credited for writing it. Yeah. Which is a interesting little fact. Here it is. They were probably fighting about it, weren't they? Well, they were fighting about most <laughs> things, weren't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
Ah, a bit of Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, we were just talking um, while that was playing uh, about the whole drama around, you know, Fleetwood Mac being like the uh, the epitome of rock and roll lifestyle and all of the ups and downs and sideways <laughs> that go with that, you know, and uh, how these days, you know, it can happen so quickly. But, um, and then people are, are kind of... It's a bit like the machine on Pink Floyd the Walls film, isn't it? You know, you go in one end of the mincer yeah. and you you come out as worms. Yeah, kind of and then they're sort of chasing that dream, aren't they? And then it's addictive as well. And they, were, and, and they don't know when they're going to be dropped or if they're if they're going to make it. And they're relying on that, you know, that sort of social media. Yeah, it's not real, is it? No, no. Because then if no. they just get dropped, they don't know what to do. Exactly, you know, and there's a lot of the influencer thing and stuff as well now, which you know relies very heavily on looks, like modelling always did. But I mean, it's yeah. on a on a grand scale now. You know, the the life expectancy of a an influencer is similar to a an athlete or a model, and even less so now because there's so much competition and it's everywhere. You can just you couldn't possibly see everything you wanted to see anymore. Can you? Because the world is here on a screen. It's just such a high stress way to live, though, isn't it? You know, if you you could be the public's darling one minute, and then you know, completely scapegoated the next, and you never know when it's going to turn. And someone's selling some horrible story or saying yeah, something horrid, yeah, absolutely. about you, just not the flavour of the month anymore, and cast aside. It's uh... yeah, but I think it like filters down as well. So the younger people are looking at that, and then they are thinking that's how I want to be that's who I've got to do that's everywhere I go I need yeah. to take a picture or do this or do that and and then and it is like that they are all on Instagram and taking pictures of everything oh, yeah, all the yeah. time yeah and Snapchat I mean I, you know my kids use Snapchat I have no idea what it is apart from the fact that you record a video of your face or you type a text with a picture of your face and send it and then they see it and then it disappears forever yeah <laughs> and you can connect with anyone and even people you've never met yeah, that's a, that's a bit of a, a worry. There's, I've been reading mm. recently about um, there's a group called the, they're called incels. It's involuntary celibacy, isn't it? It was started by a woman initially. It was started by a woman on a forum to just you know the meet up with other people who are in the same position and weren't getting laid basically. Um, and then it kind of got taken over by misogynists. Yeah, yeah, these angry little men. They, it's some of the things that you you read on their sites and stuff are awful, but they recruit through um, gaming, con- you know, gaming yeah. Xboxes and things like that, hitting on teenage boys who haven't, you know, done the deed yet, um, and kind of tempting them into their circles. And then you see on some of these forums they talk about all the horrible things they want to do to women. Yeah. And- God. The woman that, that started the movement initially has totally distanced herself from it, understandably so. Yeah, of course. Because um, it was never supposed to be about this kind of anger and entitlement that it's turned into. It was just a kind of, I'm a bit lonely and I'd quite like to talk to other people that are a bit lonely. And then it turned into these men that just thought that women owed them sex um, and, and got angry with them for not giving it to them. Um, so the woman that started it is just a bit mortified by the whole thing, really, as you would be. But... You know, because of how the internet works with all that, it kind of encourages it, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's looking through a shop window and they're not satisfied with looking through a shop window, but they're so busy looking through the shop window that they're not going out 
side or yeah. going into the shop, you know? So, yeah, yeah, or looking at the world going on behind the reflection. Yeah, that kind of thing. Okay, so um, you're number four. Um, this is a song called You Build a Wall by Grace Petrie. And <laughs> she is very cool. Um, so I actually, did I come across her a few years ago? Maybe five years? It's always longer than you think. I'm going to go with five years ago. And I um, I Googled, I've only just sort of heard a couple of her songs. I have never seen her live, actually. And um, I went to try to, I saw her, I saw her um, live performance at Shrewsbury Folk Festival. And I just thought when she got up on that stage and she just started talking first and introducing who she was and what she was about, I was so impressed with mm. her. Just, just, she just had this massive drive of determination of who she was and what she was, what she was there to say. And she was so confident. I've just, I don't think, and just her standing there with a guitar, yeah. all these people, I was just like, that takes guts, you know, like yeah. incredible. And then, um, and then she sang this. This was like the third song in, I think, on that live uh, before she brought a drummer in. And so she did like three or four songs on her own, and then she gradually brought different people on to play with her, which I thought was nice. really nice as well. And uh, she talked about this song, and um, it was that she, if I get the story right, she was going to stop writing protest songs. And she was going to write normal mainstream songs and try and make some money. And then um, Trump became president. <laughs> and then he was going on about building a wall. And she was like, yeah, I can't not write about that. So I'm going to write about that. <laughs> I just thought that was very funny. And she also talks about in the same song about snowflakes and how sort of our generation and the generation below were called snowflake generation because we're so sensitive and emotional about everything. But she's in her song is saying that actually we're the ones that are pushing to change. So of course you know, it's like people mm. who say that do-gooders are bad. Oh, oh, get that do-gooder. Yeah, that do-gooder is doing some good. Exactly. You know, and it's the same thing with the woke snowflake thing now. It's like what people who want like equality. Yeah, yeah. What's so awful about wanting the world to be nice? Ooh, what though, a yeah. terrible thing! <laughs> I know it's awful that well, people put down anything, won't they? I think. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> um, I, I saw Grace uh, in Stroud at the subrooms where we're having our launch in a couple of weeks, actually, um, with Ben Moss playing fiddle and and mandolin um, mm. and stuff with her. And she's, I love seeing her live because it's not just music the talking in between yes. That's, and, the, yeah. and the comedy and all the rest of it is as much a part of of her set yeah 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 and, and her identity yeah as well you know and yeah the, yeah I'm not going to write protest songs I'm just gonna I'm gonna write about out of reach straight women <laughs> <laughs> she uses her identity for good though doesn't she I mean I've, I've seen I'm, I'm I love Grace I've seen Grace a number of times going back over about 12 years um and I, I went to say in Nottingham where I live um, a few years ago and I took somebody with me, somebody I love very much who happens to be trans. Um, and Grace was talking about um, the, 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 the rise of anti-trans activism and transphobia um, at the time. And she was saying, you know, using her identity as a butch lesbian 
um, she felt it was really important to distance herself from that transphobia because they were using her identity as a as a reason to vilify trans women and and, and trans people generally. Um, and she said, you know, it was really important for people in her position to speak up and and you know recognise that it was trans women who really spearheaded the equality movement for LGBT people years and years ago. And she, and she personally felt that she had a lot to thank those people for. And for the person I had with me to hear um, somebody in her position speaking out and defending trans people and being you know, standing alongside trans people meant the world to them. It you know, absolutely made their night, you know, to hear... I'm with you. I support you. I've got your back here. Um, and I love the way that Grace uses her identity to speak out about these issues. It's really important as far as I'm concerned. I love her. <laughs> and gets a good laugh out of it as well. She really does. Yeah, yeah. She's so good humoured. Here it is. I know it's hard to keep the flame But tomorrow's ours to claim Sometimes a battle cry Sounds like a lullaby Tonight I think we need them both the same To everyone who's scared of what they see Every time they turn on their TV To everyone who's listening to me To every single kid I used to be You build a wall, we'll build a ladder You fall in leaves, dead from the branch And you'll see how much a snowflake matters When we become an avalanche You build a wall, we'll just get higher You don't learn to fight from privilege Hide in the dark, and we'll light a fire You build a wall, we'll build a bridge We'll build a bridge Up in your palaces of gold Your day's already growing old For all the ways you tried To conquer and divide Your ruin will be all the lies you've told Compassion lives in every single land And we're made of something you can't understand Stronger than the weapons in your hand Bigger than the armies you command You build a wall, we'll build a ladder You fall in leaves, dead from the branch And you'll see how much a snowflake matters when we become an avalanche You build a wall, we'll just get higher You don't learn to fight from privilege Hide in the dark and we'll light a fire You build a wall, we'll build a bridge We'll build a bridge
everyone who's scared of what they see Every time they turn on their TV To everyone who's listening to me To every single kid I used to be They'll build a wall and we'll build a ladder They're falling leaves dead from the branch And they'll see how much a snowflake matters When we become an avalanche You build a wall and we'll just get higher You don't learn to fight from privilege Hide in the dark and we'll light a fire You build a wall, we'll build a bridge We'll build a bridge Right, okay, now it's the part of the show that is... Here, what's that in my marigolds? <laughs> so, uh, each episode, um, instead of a hat, have a rummage in some marigolds, because, they, you know, every good woman has a pair of marigolds, <laughs> right? That's why I've not got any, isn't it? <laughs> I've got one with holes in. Not like Cara, who used to put pinpricks in her nans and then pretend she was milking a cow. <laughs> so um, it's basically stupid shit that men say. This week we have got... Is it that time of the month? Oh, oh, oh I can now say no all the time because it will never be. Because <laughs> I've just had a hysterectomy. I'm never going to have a time of the month ever again. <laughs> Is it that time? It's so... It's just awful. You're not allowed to be angry or irritated or or fed up for any other reason than being driven by your hormones. It's it's patronising and reductive and oh oh. It's <laughs> <laughs> insane that an adult male would actually say that. I think the last time I ever heard that was when I was at school. <laughs> That's mad. Um. I still hear it sometimes because, yeah. you know, because of the, I mean, you know what it's like. You you work in the festival scene and it's it's still very much a man's world behind the scenes, mm-hmm. isn't it? As well as on the stages. Um, and sometimes I have to be a bit authoritative. And I've heard that. I mean, the, the response they get, especially now, I mean, I'm five years into my menopause. So, <laughs> so, so I don't have a time. I'm a permanent time of the month, mate. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But it's um I've I've definitely had it used uh against me in a in a kind of a gaslighty way. It's yeah. like, look, I'm trying to have a discussion with you about something that's quite serious. You're not having it that actually that that behavior wasn't okay. So now you're turning it around and saying, yeah. I only think that that behavior isn't okay because I'm a woman who might have uh, a hormone imbalance once a month. Which yeah. actually I've been really lucky. I've always I'm you know I'm one of the lucky ones that always had physical periods rather than I wanted to stab everybody or or whatever else and I know lots of women struggle Mm. but the fact that that's a a a genuine struggle for women and men use it as a fob off yeah you're right it is gaslighting it's absolute gaslighting isn't it it's that it's a very different definition of gaslighting actually um you know kind of trying to make you feel like your very reasonable um worry or concern or issue is totally unreasonable actually and the issue is with you not not with the thing that you're bringing up because you're a woman yeah 
yeah absolutely and then men can lose their rag and there's nothing you know no one says that. no one can no, no one says anything to them about it <laughs> maybe we should yeah yeah <laughs> is it your time of the month love yeah. <laughs> your menstrual cycle <laughs> your, man, <laughs> your menopause <laughs> <laughs> right okay uh let's play some more independent music I'm going to start with Sadie Haller. I love this young woman. Uh, she's played on our stages a few times. Uh, she's from Exeter and just beautiful. Uh, she's also playing um, at an event in Weston um, at the church. Mark uh, runs Reaper events. He's putting lots of events on at the church and we're doing one with him in November. Um, and he's putting an all woman event on and Sadie's on the on the support so I Brilliant. thought uh let's play one of her beautiful songs and this is Washed Up Mermaid
lovely Sadie so yeah if you're in Western I can't remember the dates the poster is up on our Facebook page and has our logo on it which is um nice right what have you got next then Rachel oh my next one is uh, a song from the menstrual cramps uh, and I think everything they do is brilliant and I'm really talking glad that they're kind of yeah talking to periods um <laughs> uh, and not having them anymore yes um <laughs> Uh, yeah I'm, I'm really glad that they've kind of because they, they fell apart for a bit but they, they, they're reforming now with Are they? new band members yeah Ooh, so okay that news kind of made my day when I heard it um but this particular song is called make girls feel good and I really like it because I think there's a lot of um encouragement for women to tear each other down and to kind of compete against each other uh, which is just bad for all of us um, yeah, and this this song is about encouraging well it's, it's it is what it says make girls feel good and it reminds me of those those brilliant nights where you'll be in a in a, in a, in a toilet in a club or something and there's just a load of women in there telling each other that they look amazing I love your dress I love your eyes I love your hair and ju- and just saying those things just to make each other feel nice and we should be doing more of that that makes us all feel good it makes us all more confident and and we don't need to compete against each other for crumbs because when women pull together and work together we achieve amazing things it, um, and pulling each other down it, it's the only thing that serves is a patriarchal oppressive system and, and that's not what we should be about absolutely and it's uh i mean i don't understand um i don't i get the cerebral horn i don't understand a, a physical attraction if you like um, yeah. So I don't see anyone as ugly. No, physically no. at all. You know, no. in other ways, definitely. It's words and actions that make people ugly. So if someone's being beautiful, tell them that they're beautiful. You know, um, it doesn't matter about how they've done their hair or or what they're wearing or you know, because that's just kind of superficial stuff. This is just the the bag that holds all your bits together, right? Of course. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think it's definitely empowering to to say nice things to your sisters. Yeah, right? for sure. I mean, this is talking about the you know the the stuff that we see on TV and in adverts and stuff like that. We're expected to have plumped up lips and um, you know bizarre plastic surgery. I loved it when you played um, uh, pigs in blankets uh, the other the other uh, that was it last on the last podcast. And one of the lines in there was plastic surgery doesn't make you look young; it just makes you look weird. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know this is when we're set up with these totally unrealistic um, images of what I don't know somebody somewhere thinks women should look like and none of us can achieve that or, or really it's should even want isn't to it, it is totally yeah so this, this song is saying just you know you don't need that you look great as you are you know go for it just be you and I love that I think that's a really good message for women and girls everywhere I think it's a really important to get through to your daughters yeah. with, with that message of beauty like really sure, is yeah. inside isn't it i think they're under so much pressure though like we were saying earlier on social side of things especially the younger people they, they're inundated all the time with what everybody else is thinking and and all the products that you say that are trying to be sold and it is unrealistic yeah. and but if you can have that conversation and tell them like a lot of it is actually not real. A lot of it is photoshopped yeah. and changed and yeah. it's not, it's unobtainable. <gasps> and Do you remember that whole thing? I remember when I was younger, you know, if if what was considered to be an ugly bloke had a um, 
a beautiful partner in you know in a physical sense um it was always like oh he must have money yeah or yeah. you know so how did he manage how yeah. did he manage to get her and all this sort mm. of thing not it's thinking that actually just he might somebody's he, yeah he might just be a really or... beautiful person and yeah. she loves him you know or vice yeah, versa exactly but, exactly but there's a know. lot of money to be made for making us feel shit about ourselves isn't there so uh a lot you know, well that yeah that <laughs> capitalism kind of thrives on it yeah, doesn't it yeah really? absolutely well it's all interlinked isn't it capitalism patriarchy oppression it's all part of the same machine of course. um and and really it takes the same kind of resistance to combat it so more of making that each other feel good about ourselves let's have more of it <laughs> have some menstrual cramps <laughs> Reminding
Lenny. <laughs> yeah, they're great. Good old menstrual cramps. menstrual cramps. So uh, I'm so glad they're getting back together. We should definitely have to get in touch with them. Um, right now, it is time for who does this woman think she is? So who have we got this week? Who are we bigging up? So I wanted to talk this week about uh, Gina Martin. Um, who was the woman who was instrumental in changing the law to make upskirting a criminal offence. Um, because it's, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable that it wasn't anyway, quite frankly. Uh, but I guess that's an example of how um, the law hasn't kept up with things, you know, changes in technology and, and, and you know, what we've got access to in terms of social media and stuff like that. But she, she was at a, um, she was at a festival, um, in, I think in Hyde Park, um around 2017 uh with her sister and she noticed well there are these two guys that have been being a general pain in the ass for a little while um uh, but she looked over and noticed noticed one of them um with a picture on his phone of, of a picture of a girl's skirt and then she realized it was her um can you imagine what you feel oh like crowd? a guy in front of you with a picture of your knickers up your skirt <gasps> on his phone um so she bless her she was brilliant she grabbed his phone um and alerted security um and the police were involved and the police really helpfully said to him oh just delete the photo mate which he did and therefore got rid of any evidence um so, <laughs> that was a, a really i didn't great. remember that bit yeah no just delete the photo you shouldn't have that photo just delete it um but it turns out there was no recourse in law to go after him because it kind of fell between um, laws around voyeurism and it didn't count as voyeurism <laughs> because voyeurism is only a thing if, it, if it's like a private act. So if you were, you know, somebody recorded you going to the toilet or having sex or something, that would be voyeurism. <laughs> but the standing in a public place isn't a private act. So it didn't come under that. Or um, the other thing that they looked at was outraging public decency. But because the public weren't involved, there was nobody to be outraged. So that didn't count either. Um, and she made a big post about it on Facebook, which kind of went viral. And on the back of that, she, uh, well, I mean, then that in itself speaks, doesn't it, about how many women must have been affected by the same thing because people don't share these posts unless they think, oh God, that's happened to me or, you know, this this isn't okay. Um, and was, then it, was that, she a, it. it was a real thing then as well, wasn't it? It was a real thing. Yeah, massive. She launched a petition, which was just... Um, when it really took off and that caught the attention of a, uh, a liberal democrat i think um mp who took it to the houses of uh, uh, the house of commons as a private members bill um and then that god-awful tory what's his name christopher chope is that his name um, objected to it well they're all <laughs> god-awful but there are some that are, they've got a particularly you know special place in hell um yeah chope <laughs> chope who who object and he said oh no i don't object to the bill um, but I object to private members' bills on principle, so I'm just going to object to it because it's private members' bill. What cock, honestly? Actually um, went into Parliament on yeah. and sat in on a private members' bill to vote against it. Because it was a private members' bill, not because he had any objection to a law against taking photographs of girls' knickers. Bollocks. Um, <laughs> you know, God, five minutes alone with him, what would I do for that? Um, but eventually it did get taken up and it was taken through um, and it was then brought in as an amendment to the Sexual Offences Act. Um, so and it was because of all the hard work and the campaigning and the lobbying that, that this woman did um, after having that experience herself. Um, and I, yeah, I think she's brilliant. I think she's absolutely brilliant. 
Ah, so the copper saying to delete it is that because she does a blog with her sister Stevie called Might Delete Later. Oh, okay. I've not seen that. A, a podcast, rather. Um, so, yeah. And um, she got loads of rape threats when she was pushing this through. And, oh, Carl Surprise, you know, any woman hundreds, that speaks up gets this. It's, hundreds you know, that's of, standard, of isn't threats it? of rape because she was trying to change the law wow. yeah. about men being, at, being able to take photos up your skirt. Oh, it's disgusting, absolutely disgusting, isn't it? But this is what happens to women who speak out. That doesn't, I mean, it's horrifying and it's shocking, but it doesn't surprise me in any way at all that that happened to her. So brave. Um, because any woman that stands brave. up for herself gets that. It's so brave. It's so brave. And I'm so glad that she did. And she was only a young woman as well, I think. You know, she's not somebody, you know, hardened and haggard like us. No, guys. she is quite. Although <laughs> she's written a book uh, called Be the Change, a toolkit for the activist in you, which Brilliant. I'm definitely going to have a look at. Yeah, for sure. She's such an inspiring woman to take. I mean, I, I've always been one for more kind of, um, I guess, underground activism. But there's definitely a place for, you know, working with the structures that we have and those changes in law. Um, I think you have to I go at it at all levels if you want but to you, change something. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, what I don't know what I found one of the things I found particularly unpleasant about the whole thing was um, a suggestion that it would be covered by um, laws around outraging public decency. Um, because when you look into that, it doesn't centre the victim of the crime at all. It's, it's about has it upset other people? Have yeah. people that have seen this happening gone, oh, that's horrible, that shouldn't be happening. But the person it's actually happened to, it's like she's incidental, she doesn't exist. Um, and, and there was a suggestion that, that actually that was OK. You know, you can do what you want to somebody. But if other people are upset by it, then that's when you put a stop to it. No. Laws don't sit, you know, traditional laws don't sit in the favour no. of women. I mean, no. bearing in mind, it's only and, less than 130 years ago that the um, Married Women's Act came in. Before that, yeah. if you had any property, if you'd inherited or whatever. Yeah as soon as you get married it all becomes your husband's yeah absolutely you know and that's only 125 yeah. 130 years ago yeah well I mean my parents got married in 1973 um and mum said that if she wanted to take out a loan or when they were looking at buying a house and all the rest of it she couldn't sign anything on her own it, my dad had to be there to sign things he was, <laughs> even though mum was working she had her own income you know um, but she couldn't take on financial responsibilities without her husband. That is frustrating. But there is progress. I mean, you know, yeah. it's, I mean, it was till the mid 80s that women were, if you got pregnant out of wedlock, you know, and I, yeah. I know it's it's wor a lot worse in Ireland, but um, it was, you were still generally sent away to have your baby yeah. somewhere else. Oh, and yeah, then the baby yeah, was taken for adoption. Shame. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it, wasn't, it was only, was it 1991 that marital rape was outlawed? Yeah. 1991. But it seems like there's a lot of progress, though, in the last 10 years then, because yeah. now yeah. it's so much better than then. So it's yeah. like yeah. lots of things must have changed more recently. Yeah. I mean, the abortion thing is, is changing as well, isn't it? Yeah. And, the you know, the um, amendments in, in Ireland around abortion were yeah. absolutely, you know, groundbreaking. And I'm so proud of those Irish activists. Those women yeah. are incredible. It's, it is amazing. I mean, I'm a, you know, one of my jobs is a professional genealogist and um, tracing birth families as well and adoptees and stuff is, is part of that. So I've done yeah. an awful yeah. lot of researching, you know, with the 
the Irish women who weren't allowed to, they weren't allowed to have an abortion, but they weren't allowed to keep their babies either. And they were often sold. Mm. And, yeah, um, awful. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, Imagine. It's just doesn't bear thinking about, does it? No. I think what, what is happening, um, like I, I alluded to, that is that the law hasn't kept up with technolo- technolo- technological advances. Um, so conversations that have come out of this um, discussion around upskirting have brought to light that things like cyber stalking and that sort of thing, um, yeah, there, there really needs to be changes in law to encompass that because these laws were written before we have the capability to commit particular offences. Um, of course, so we, yeah. we do need to keep campaigning. And that's a continuous thing, then, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, of course, yeah. it's going to keep yeah. advancing. So it needs to. It's going to be continuous. Yeah, and we're still years behind. So it's we've got a lot of catching up to do. The laws aren't made by people that are at the forefront of technological advances, quite the opposite. And I think that's the problem. You know, the laws aren't made by people that understand Snapchat. (laughs) (laughs) They're made to protect property, mostly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like the same same with the education system. You know, the education system is still built around people going into factories and industry. Yes. You know, not nothing like where we live now. No. No, it's uh, oh, it's so so um, backward, actually. <laughs> it really is. There's loads of campaigns fighting every angle of yeah. all of it. Yeah, mm. we need we need women like Gina Martin. Yeah, women like Gina Martin are, are why things are, are changed, and and women like her are they're so important for all of our struggles. Yeah, definitely. Big up Gina Martin. Yes. <laughs> right. Let's go uh, back to raving crows so we talked earlier a bit about uh your album and your launching on friday on friday yeah fourth in um malvern at the cube that's a great event we've got a show there in october i think yeah it's a really nice venue um there's still tickets left uh i think we're very close to sell out like maybe a couple of tickets yeah so that's really really good so excited to play and get back with the lads and do a do a gig (laughs) and it just so happens to be the launch so even better yeah amazing um what else have you got lined up so we're doing um like a basically a six-week tour pretty much with a little gap in the middle at the end of march and we're touring all over the UK, all the venues, all sorts of places. Um, from we're going up to Dis in Norfolk, we're at the Globe at Hale and Wye, we're in Bath, Bristol, um, we're in Newquay. So we're literally everywhere. So um, all the gigs are listed on our website, which is rovencrows.com. That's Brilliant. the best place. And we'll be sending the new album and our new um, t shirts and hoodies as well nice yeah and you're also uh we touched on it earlier you're also quite involved with lake fest i remember having a conversation with you a while ago about um you know the balance of lineups with women and stuff and you pointed out um quite rightly that you know after thinking about it actually not not so many women apply and we talked about why they don't apply because you know you, you see a certain amount of women on a lineup and it's like okay they've already got their women or I mean, I know quite a lot of women, it's like you apply for stuff and you just don't hear anything. And it's because because it's male dominated. There's the there's 
there are various reasons as to why it's male dominated. Um, the biggest one is ingrained sexism, but there, there's also the knock-on effects of that, that, you know, you get, you get rejected so many times, then, you know, you don't mm. bother and, and, uh, you know, that's definitely one of the aspects, but you're, you know, there's quite a lot of female performers on your lineup this year. So thank you for that. That's absolutely yeah. brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> I hope yeah. more people follow suit. <laughs> we actively um, have tried to include more women in the lineup and it is difficult. Um, main stage is very difficult because obviously big main stage acts, there's, it's, it is really, really male, male dominated, but we've, sort of really try to bring in women as much as we can it's a little bit easier on the floating globe stage which is the second stage um but again you know you're juggling budget and then you're juggling the sort of music that it needs to be to fit in and then again like I was saying that there's so few women bands apply and then you're just like oh no that isn't the right music oh and that's going to be too much and then you're left with a really tiny amount and then you've got to start seeking them out and it, yeah. take, it takes more time and everything yeah mm. obviously and and you know I think um another thing I've come across with uh promoters is oh yeah well they want money <laughs> and it's like well <laughs> okay well the men should want money too you know I, I think mm. if you know if you yeah. have a budget then you should you pay your artists um men are much more willing when i get applications men are much more willing to play for nothing you know oh we'll just come and play for nothing because we just want to play and it's like well yeah no <laughs> um you know i'm at least going to cover your expenses but uh it's women generally and not you know it's not the the bad old days where all women had to stay home and have babies and stuff but um, when men go out and play gigs, and if they've got a family, say, you know, the woman will stay home and, and look after the kids. If, a, you know, if a woman, because you have more single women, single mothers, than you have single fathers and stuff, mm. um, they've got to pay for babysitters to yeah. go and gig or, you know, and still you see in people's homes with families where if, if the woman's going out anywhere, the man's babysitting. Oh yeah, I hate that. They're your children. You're not yeah. babysitting. You're that being a parent, a looking after your children. You know, so there's still that dynamic <laughs> that, um, that definitely, definitely has an effect. But I know from talking to so many women that it's like, what well, you know, what's what's the point of applying? Because lineups have been dominated for so long. So the more you know, we're going to build a database of um, people who kind of pledge a certain percentage with us and we'll give them some, like, br not brownie points, but, you know, some <laughs> media stuff and whatnot. And then we'll have a database that female performers can go and look at and know yeah. that these places actually book a, a fair percentage of women. It's never good. It's not 50-50. It's nothing like that because of a lot of that's to do with domestic um, life. Um, also the lack of encouragement for you know boys pick up a guitar so they can get laid yeah not you know whereas um women are I mean I know an awful lot of female fiddle and violin players because that's yeah. an instrument that was accessible at school you yeah know? and it was okay to play it as a girl you know I mean the, it's, there are all sorts of of dynamics that it's not because there aren't women out there that want to make music or girls that want to make music yeah. um or aren't making music it's 
it's just because of how the whole thing is set up and right from the top down to the grassroots you know mm. so yeah the more the more they see that actually it's accessible yeah then hopefully um, more applications will get because when I'm, I get hundreds of people applying, but it really is so top heavy with men. And it's a lot of the same stuff as well, as you know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. So so it's, um, it's, it's difficult, but I'm really pleased. Yeah, it's just really not as a woman as well. I'm the only woman that um, is on the sort of management team at Lakefest. So it's nice to be able to bring that in. And because my partner, Paul, he does the main stage as well. So we, we talked about it and he's like, yeah definitely something we want to do so we're really fortunate right. to be in that position really and that's brilliant and you've you've got men on your team that are uh yeah. that get it which is yeah um, setting the standard for others as well it's setting the standard for other events and other festivals isn't it and something, something yeah. to live up to absolutely yeah. yeah and it yeah it really helps so you know thank you keep it up <laughs> yeah <laughs> right uh we're gonna play your new single yay this is freedom song which has an immense video that you need to go and check out. Right on the sky with me, right on the sky. Right on the sky with me, right on the sky. Right on the sky with me. Right on the sky Stronger than mountains
wonderful fiddling as well thank you really wonderful right okay um so i've got one more independent tune to play and uh i've gone for a quirkus burlesque track uh anyone who's been to a something else event will know quirkus they're one of the house bands they're also wonderful human beings and they will be three of them will be busking at the launch they're coming to the launch uh on the 19th of march and they've just got something, I don't know, it's, I mean, it's not, it, it is, it is cabaret, you know, they're sassy and, and, you know, they sing about squirrels called Tufty Gusset and, <laughs> and things like that. So there's comedy in there as well, but they're extremely talented and mm. underrated and it's two women and three men. So I'm just going to play it. Okay. This is Blink. <laughs> Come on, leave the bad lies alone 
lovely bit of Quirkus they're so good oh they they just oh I could eat them all up (laughs) (laughs) but yeah they're I mean they're they're definitely um yeah they're they're just a such a good festival band as well yeah you know it's like it's proper performance as well isn't it so before we play out with um oh a lovely classic you know, people who aren't men. <laughs> what advice would you give to them starting out in the industry? Because you've been at it quite a long time, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I started such a young woman. <laughs> and then I started. I went at twenty one, twenty one, twenty two. So maybe fifteen years. Yeah. Um, I would say. Definitely to keep your vision. So visualise who you want to be as a performer and build that vision and then hold on to it and don't let anything, or obviously be flexible with how you change as you grow older, but don't let anything or anyone come in and try and change who you want to be as a performer, like how you want to look, what you want to play, how you want to sing, what you want to say, Um, and just stay stay confident to that, that person, whoever that is whether that's um, quiet or loud or whatever. It doesn't matter as long as you're you and you're true to who you are and you have your organisation in your head and your plan, just stick with it. That's brilliant advice. Mm. Thank you ever so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Good luck with the album launch. Yes. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I've been lucky enough to hear it. It's superb well done thank you we're so excited to get it out there oh I bet you are (laughs) yeah it's um I don't know it all feels more exciting doesn't it because of what we've just been through with the pandemic and stuff yeah uh, that's it like absolutely and it's been it's to everything to take so long everything seems to be and I think it's across the board for, for most performers trying to put albums out it seems to be that it's just more complicated for some reason there's more there's more delays and more hurdles to cross and just things just stop starting and this is gigs happening. Oh no, it's not happening. Or, you know, it's like, it's a real challenge putting the whole thing together and the tour. And obviously I tour manage and manage the band and do the bookings. So it's like, it's been like loads to do, but it's been such hit and miss and stuff. And it's, um, it just makes it even better. (laughs) This is actually going to happen. Yeah, on Friday, it's happen. and then you've got a tour. <laughs> yes, I will be there. Even though there's even been hiccups with the transport, everything that can happen, <laughs> we're going to be there on Wednesday, and we're going to go to be in England from Wednesday, and then that's it. So, 
So the CD is out on Friday, is that right? Yes. And where can people get it? Is it on Bandcamp or? It will be on Bandcamp, yeah, or just uh, on our website. Brilliant. Yeah. We're looking that up. Yeah, do it. Yeah, it's really cool. Right. Going to play out with a classic. And uh, who better than Sister Rosetta Tharp and Didn't It Rain? Oh, the sweet horsey. Oh, this is the wonderful time of my life. Uncle Joe? Yes, 
didn't it? You know we did it, didn't it? Hard line, Lord. How it This podcast is brought to you by Where Art The Women, a not-for-profit community interest company set up to tackle gender imbalance on the UK's independent stages. For more information, head to whereartthewomen.org. That's whereartthewomen.org.